Welcome to Stratford Heights tonight. You've come to the right place, of course. You've come to the right place tonight. We are in uh, for a wonderful evening here. We have a very special guest, and his name is Reverend Rick Laracy. He is with us, and I've heard nothing but good things. Nothing but good things. Um, nothing but good things. I've heard, and when I say that, I mean I've heard nothing but great preaching, great preaching. So we're, we are in for a very awesome treat tonight. It's going to be a wonderful time. As you know, we are into the Easter season uh, full force next weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, we will have the Easter program uh, Friday night and Saturday night at 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And uh, it's just going to be a wonderful time of uh, fellowship. And it's uh, the time when the church is on display. This is our biggest time of the whole year. And it's going to be a wonderful time with program. Uh, he looked beyond my faults. It's going to be a wonderful time. We also want you to know that on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, there will be a more traditional resurrection service with preaching and music and a wonderful time. And uh, it's going to be an awesome time coming up this weekend. We trust that you have been uh, inviting people, passing out invitations and cards and stuff. It's going to be a wonderful time. In preparation to that, uh, this weekend, the church, uh, or this week coming up, all the uh, normal weekly services will be uh, kind of postponed, kind of put off because we will be in uh, preparation and practices all week long. We'll be getting ready for this next weekend. So it's going to be a wonderful time. With that said, we want to get out in the aisles, shake hands, hug necks, and welcome each other to the house of God. Sing 
name of Jesus. Satan has to flee. Give you praise, Lord. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength, my high tower. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength, my high tower. If you never have a trial, you'll never have a victory. Just put your trust in Jesus. He will see you through. He's a true and trusted Savior, and he has never he will be your strength, your high tower. Sing it now. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength, my high tower. Yes, the Lord is my strength. The Lord.
Oh, Lord, we lose our selfish pride. Lift our hands and say, You are all we need. And we call out your name, Jesus. Call out your name, Jesus. Call out your name, Jesus. He will answer you. Shout out his name, Jesus. Shout out his name, Jesus. Shout out his name, Jesus. He will run to you, oh yeah. Shout out his name, Jesus. Shout out his name, Jesus. Shout out his name, Jesus. He will run to Lord, we lose our selfish pride. Lose our selfish pride. And we fall down on our knees. And we fall down on our knees. We lift our hands and say you are all we need. You are all we need. Glory to you. says there is no other, name, no other name given among men whereby we might be saved. How many of you are saved tonight by that name? Amen. 
Psalm 103 begins and reads, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How many of you have been experiencing his benefits alive in your own life? Amen. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Go ahead and give the Lord praise for his word tonight. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Boy, we have just had church all day long. The Lord was good to us this morning. Wonderful. Several people got saved. Looks like we've had somewhere near 90 people over this last weekend, this weekend, that has gotten saved through the ministries of our church. Isn't that wonderful? We praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You probably see the big, big gap in the sanctuary right here. Esperanza, is, this is the last night of their revival. And they, have, uh, they were here for Friday and Saturday night. And tonight they are down in Cincinnati at a mission uh, evangelistic church down there ending the revival. And so they said, Pastor, do you care if we go and end our revival down there with Brother Lee? And they took off and went down there. They took a whole bunch of them. So you guys are going to have to speak Spanish right here. You're going <laughs> to... Dios le bendiga. There we go. Hi, <laughs> me. But we, we're excited for what God has been doing all weekend long. We want to go before the Lord in prayer. I want to say, my goodness, it's so good to see Larry and Patty, Pastor Larry and Patty Hayes that I've known him since I was a young teenager. So I, I just call him Uncle Larry and Aunt Patty. But uh, they're pastors at the New Beginning Church, and they're visiting. Some of their folks are with us tonight. Thank you. We want to welcome them and thank them for being with us in our service. These are very... Very special people to me in my life, and I appreciate them so much. I still carry the rainbow Bible that you, that you gave to me when I was a young man, and I appreciate you too very much. I have great respect for you, and I know your church loves you too. We're so glad that you're with us tonight. And also, we want to go to prayer for their former pastor, Brother Bruce Powell, who we know very well around here. He served in ministries at this church uh, not too many awful years ago. But he was one of the beloved ministers in our church a long time ago. And so we want to pray for him. He's in the hospital. How many of you have a special need that you want known and prayed for this evening? God knows every detail. And he is able to minister to your need. I want you to not just lift your hand just because that's what you're always supposed to do. I want you to have it in your heart tonight that God hears you. David said, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. But he also says, and he delivered me. How many of you are looking for deliverance tonight? Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and believe him for these needs tonight. Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity that we have to worship and to serve you through the grace and mercy that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, for what this week represents as we prepare our hearts for the resurrection, for the story of the passion and how that you sacrificed and you gave your life for us. We pray, Lord, in our conversations and in our invitations this week that you'll touch our hearts, Lord, to have conversations on purpose. That, Father, we'll look towards this weekend, especially coming, that 
the message of Christ and the message of Calvary will speak loudly and clearly to the hearts of those who are lost. We ask in the name of Jesus you'd empower us to, to do your bidding and your work. I pray, Lord, for every hand that was lifted up today, tonight that you would touch every heart and every life, every family that is represented, every heart and life that is hurting or broken. We ask for those who need provision and direction from your mighty hand in every hand that was lifted up, the need in their life. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, holding the hand of faith in agreement with your word and believing for your perfect will. We thank you for this tonight and we give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory. Lord, we pray especially for Pastor Bruce Powell. We lift him up to you and ask you to touch him tonight. Strengthen him by your Holy Spirit and be with him. May the stripes that were laid on your back apply to the very need in his heart and life and body. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We thank you tonight for a revival. We thank you for our guest who is here with us tonight. We ask you to bless and use him abundantly to minister to us as a congregation and as the body of Christ. And Lord, we will never fail to give you the honor, the praise, and all of the glory. For it is in no other name that we pray but the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together agreed and said amen. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord praise tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Our ushers are coming to serve you this evening. Thank you for being here on a Sunday night. Tonight we have with us a guest. that I, I've met him uh, today and, and have been in correspondence with him for a little while as we've planned this revival. He is, a, I believe, a first cousin, is it? First cousin to second cousin to Pastor Alan Weaver down at the Hamilton Church of God, and he is one of the dearest friends that I have in the state in pastoral work, and I love him very much. And he, he mentioned to me about his cousin and that he is an evangelist, a national evangelist uh, out of Maryland. He's been serving in Maryland for many years. He's pastored churches. He's been on the mission field, and he's been uh, absolutely on the international field when it comes to evangelizing, and he's here with us tonight. Uh, Pastor Cameron was speaking to me about him, that they had had him in Oklahoma. So he's traveled all over the place, and we're glad that he has stopped by Middletown, Ohio tonight to minister to us. So we're going to welcome him in a few moments. Before we do, let's give you an opportunity to worship the Lord with your gifts and with your giving. I want to remind you that we're also in the heart and mode to bless the evangelist who's come by our service tonight. We want to bless his ministry and touch him. So the loose offering that you give tonight, other than besides your tithe or your pledges and promises to missions or to the building program, will all go to him. So I pray that you would help me to bless him, bless his family, and let's do it in Stratford Heights style, because you're a givers, you're people that love to bless people. So let's do this tonight for our guest, and as always, we give God the praise for it all. Amen. How many of you have everything that you have from God? <laughs> from God then we give back to him tonight. Amen. Father, as we come before you, that is, this is our honor to be used as vessels to bless the brother that is with us and, Lord, to further your work of kingdom in this earth. We pray that you'll touch every heart in life that is able to give tonight. And, Lord, bless those who are not able, but we ask your blessings over your people that will be a part of the kingdom economy where, God, our hearts and lives match up with your work in this earth. Use us tonight, not just to give, but, Lord, to bless. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
How many of you know that at sundown this evening will be the beginning of the Passover? Some 2,014 years ago, Jesus and the disciples gathered together in the upper room to celebrate the Feast of Passover. We call it the Last Supper. They came together in peace and love, but Jesus gave them so much more. He gave them hope. He gave them love. Little did they know just a few hours after that that he would be hung on a cross to die for the sins of the world. Satan thought he had a victory. <laughs> there was no victory. But there's only victory in Jesus. And as Pastor Ray said, there's no other name but the name of Jesus that we can receive salvation. And it's because of that one solitary life that we no longer have to fear sin and death. For there is victory in Jesus. Amen. Listen to the words of the song as we sing of this wonderful victory. Ever since Eden, death has been waiting. Ever life is measured out in years. I've known its sorrow, I felt its shadow, and I have fought my fears. I know comes for each of us yet I have hope in knowing when it does in the garden Jesus faced it he chose his father's will the next day he embraced it with open arms on Calvary's hill and that thought it had won until God's only Son left the grave alive again. In the garden he faced it, on Calvary he embraced it, and I praise God that three days later he erased it. Savior, what reassurance, knowing that he did what I could not. He fought the battle, now I don't have to. His grace is all I've got. I'm not a victim. 
forth no matter what the devil was going to do or try to do thank God tonight it's been erased church Amen. we have victory as Bud said we have victory in Jesus praise God yes. do you love it go ahead praise the Lord let's just praise the Lord amen <laughs> you know many many times in the scripture and in, uh, in the Bible we read of a trumpet sound whether they, they sound the shofar or whether they sound the trumpet. It was always to announce a great event. And church, we're on the verge of the greatest event that the church has ever known. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. For the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, 
comfort one another with these words. That's, that's comfort, church, to know that promise is just around Ben. And it's at the midnight cry. Worship with us. sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it's closer now than it's ever been. I can almost hear the trumpet. sounds the call at the midnight bride we'll be going home when Jesus steps out on a cloud to call his children Christ shall rise to meet him in the air, and then those that remain shall be quickly changed at the midnight cry. see prophecies fulfilled and the signs of the times they're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the Father as he said son get your Children, the 
How many of you know the Lord is coming soon? I said, how many of you know the Lord is coming soon? Amen. I believe we're at the midnight hour. Thank you, men of valor. These gentlemen, I neglected to introduce them when they came up here. This is a wonderful gentleman that go to our church. Aren't you glad they go to our church? Delighted. The ministry and music tonight. Thank you so much, men of valor and their director, Sister Jane Jewell. She controls this, this music here. She's, we wouldn't want to say she's the boss, but we, <laughs> her husband Bud will say it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Beautiful ministry tonight in song. Tonight, it's our privilege to welcome, as I mentioned earlier, the evangelist who's with us this evening. I, I don't know that I told you his name. His name is Brother Rick Lercy. And we're glad that he is with us tonight. I'm looking forward to him ministering the word to us. I'm hungry tonight for the word. Are you? So he's going to come ahead. And as he does, I want him to feel free to minister as unto the Lord. Amen. Come on, Brother Rick. Well, praise the Lord. What great music, great worship. Just to be in the presence of the Lord means everything to me. Amen. I can tell you right now, I wouldn't give a plug nickel for a place I couldn't feel the presence of the Lord, amen. I'd rather be somewhere I know that he is, and then I know I'm okay. Because as many butterflies might be in my stomach, you know, my wife tells me sometimes, you never get nervous. I said, yes, I do. Every time, it is my moral compass. How's that sound? If I don't have those butterflies, I know I'm in trouble. I'm just telling you. And so I know that he's with me. And I'm so thankful for that. Thanks, Pastor Parsons. I appreciate Phillips, Pastor Phillips. I know Ray Parsons. I get so confused. But Pastor Phillips, somebody else, you know, he's, he's been spoken highly of by Alan Weaver. And uh, I've heard nothing but great things about your church. So I feel honored tonight to be able to be right here in this time in this place. Also know this. I believe God has a word for us in this place tonight. Amen. I believe he has a word for somebody, maybe in specific. Maybe he has a word for you corporately, but I believe God wants to speak something into this place tonight, and I believe that he's going to use me to do that. I, I'm so confident in that. Amen. 
want you to get your Bibles. I want you to stand with me. Of course, I'll have the scripture up on the screen. But uh, I want you to stand with me, and I want you to turn to a passage of scripture found in the book of Acts. And while you're turning there, let me just mention one thing to you. Your pastor said that I'm a full-time evangelist, and that is correct. And one of the ways we fund our ministry is by the CDs that we have and DVDs that we have on our table out in the foyer. And your purchase of those CDs and DVDs help fund the ministry. I used to say it helps me feed the children. Okay? And I have a 14-year-old at home, you know, and it helps me feed him. But since in the last two years I've gone from zero to seven grandchildren, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't ask how that happens. But two weeks ago we had twin, identical twin girls born to my oldest son and his wife. And they only had one just a year ago, so they've had three in the last year. I uh, hope they figured out what's going on and they don't have any more anytime soon. <laughs> i just tell you that now. But I love them. And they live in South Georgia, and I'm so glad they live there because I live in Maryland. So I can come and see them and love them and spoil them and don't have to put up with them. Amen? <laughs> they have to take care of all that. But it helps me take care of my grandbabies too. Amen? But go by and, and pick something out and take it home with you tonight. Now, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that I'm sure that you've read before and I'm sure that you've looked at before, but I also know there may be a nugget of something there that you've probably not heard before that God wants to speak into your life and in my life tonight. Beginning in verse 15, it says, And in those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names were about 120, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, Akel Damah, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. And they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of, of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place, and they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered among or with the 11 apostles. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Would you just join with me in prayer? And I want you to ask God just to speak a rhema word, a now word, living, life-changing word in this place tonight, amen? That I don't know you. That's one of these beautiful things about what I do. <laughs> I don't know you. You don't know me. So we have to accept each other by faith. And I'm able to preach liberally and freely 
Because I know I'm not talking about anybody in particular in this congregation. So that when the shoe fits, put it on, wear it, and do something about it. Amen? That's all I'm going to say to you. Because it must be a God thing trying to get your attention, okay? He's speaking in the house. But pray he's going to do some things here tonight. Turn around, breakthrough, healing, whatever it is that he desires to do in this place tonight. Amen? Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as I stand here tonight, I realize that without you, it is impossible to preach this word. I need your anointing. I need your touch. I need your blessing. Lord, I'm asking you tonight to touch every person under the sound of my voice with a special anointing, an anointing that they will hear your word, an anointing that they will receive it and they will understand it. Speak, Lord, a rhema word, a living, life-changing word into somebody's heart tonight, Lord, a now word, a word, Lord, that will break every yoke of bondage, a word that will set the captive free, a word, Lord, that will open the blinded eyes, a word, Lord, that will bind up the bruised and the hurting and the broken and give them, Lord, the healing that they so desperately need from the inside out. God, I believe tonight that you're going to do a mighty work in this place, and we're going to give you the glory, the praise, and the honor for it all. And everybody said, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? Amen. Just give him a hand clap of praise and just magnify him. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now turn to somebody before you're seated. Look them in the eye and say, you look better than the last time I saw you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Choosing the 12th man, the 12th apostle. I mean, it was quite uh, uh, an undertaking. As a matter of fact, when you begin to read these scriptures, I know that sometimes it just seems very long and historical, but there's something very important here because we're talking about choosing the 12th apostle. Of course, this was after Judas had betrayed our Lord and after he had died and, you know, and all those things that had transpired. And so you understand that the 12th apostle had to be chosen. Now, the reason we didn't know this until Peter announced it, um, and he, they would choose Matthias. Now, when I look at this scripture, I, I'm going to tell you that there, there isn't much information in the scripture concerning the 12th apostle that they would choose, and that would be Matthias. Matter of fact, the only reference to Matthias in the canonical New Testament is right here in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And historians don't know much more about him either. What they do know about him is that he was stoned to death and that, that he uh, you know, was uh, beheaded. And so you know, he, 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 he lived a martyr's life. He was martyred for the cause of Christ. But, the, but I want you to notice that there were 120 at this particular time. Now, it wasn't 120 that they began. They were, began with 500 in the upper room, beginning at the words of Jesus when he said, Go tarry until you be endued with power from on high. He had told them that, that they're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them, that they're, going to be, that they're going to be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. So they, they were right where they were supposed to be. They had began with 500, but by the ninth or 10th day, it had dwindled down to 120 that remained that were in one mind and in one accord. And so it was here that they had gathered. It was here that they were praying. It was here that they were seeking the Lord. Now, about that ninth or tenth day, 
Peter stood up among the assembly and said, there's something that's got to be accomplished, something that's got to be done before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is going to come. We've got to take care of matter of what we would call business. We've got to elect or select who is going to serve as the 12th apostle. So he interrupts and says, according to the prophecy in the book of Psalms, according to David's prophecy concerning the betrayal of Christ, something's got to be fulfilled. Something's got to happen before the promise of the Spirit could come, the choosing of that 12th apostle. Now, the criteria for choosing such a one was not much, but it was important. There wasn't a list of things. There was only two things, actually, that had to be done in order or had to be in that person's life in order for them to be chosen as one of the apostles. Number one, they must have been there all the time, all the time. From the first time, from the very beginning, from the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, when he was baptized in the Jordan River by the by by by, by John the Baptist, they he, they had to have been there then, and they had to have been there and when they and, and they must have stayed when Jesus came in and when Jesus went out. In other words, they had to be faithful from the beginning to the end. They had to be there during the whole ministry that he was on this earth, as all the apostles were. They had to have been there from the beginning. And you might say, well, why was that so important? Well, when you go over to the book of Revelation, what you're going to find out is simply this. There are going to be 12 foundations in the New Jerusalem. And on the foundations, on one of those foundations, on every one of those foundations is going to be listed one of the names of the apostles. The 12 apostles' names are going to be listed there. I can promise you that Judas Iscariot was not going to be one of those names on one of those foundations. So that's why they had to choose. That's one of the reasons why they had to choose one, another apostle who would become the 12th apostle, who would become the 12th man, so to speak. So they would do this, and he had to have been there from the beginning, and he had to stay when Jesus came in and when Jesus went out. But what I want you to notice is what it did not say. It did not say he had to preach well. It did not say he had to have some great spiritual gift. It did not say that he had to be a tremendous healer. It did not say he had to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. It did not say that he had to be some super-duper spiritual being. Can I get a witness in the house? It did not say that he had to be called up into the third heaven to hear inexpressible words that he did not understand. He just had to be. He just had to be there. He just had to be faithful. End of story. Now you know everything there is to know about Matthias. He just had to be faithful. And they appointed two of them. So apparently, I don't know if there was a long list, but apparently there was only two that met the criteria. One was Joseph, who was called Barsabas, and the other one was Matthias. And then they would cast lots. Now, we don't do a lot of that, but they cast lots. Matter of fact, Saul was chosen as the king of Israel by the casting of lots. And they would do this oftentimes in biblical times particularly as a way of understanding or knowing the will of God. They would put something in, uh, they would put different shapes of articles in a receptacle and draw one out or, or else they would, I don't know, maybe they drew sticks. I don't know. 
But what they would do before they would cast lots was simply this. They would ask for the divine direction of God, and they would say, Lord, show us which one of these two you have chosen to be one of the apostles. And then they would cast the lots, and whoever the lot fell on, that would be the, the apostle, that would be the chosen one, and it fell on Matthias, and he became the 12th apostle. And the only thing that mattered, and I know this is not going to be an earth-shaking message tonight, but it's relevant for the day that you and I are living in. The only thing that mattered was that, he, that this man had to be faithful from beginning to end. He had to be there when Jesus came in and when Jesus went out. And somebody says, well, why is that so important? Because you have to understand faithfulness in the, in the context of the wilderness experience. Amen what it means to be faithful when you're going through tough times, what it means to be faithful when you're going through a hard season, what it means to be faithful when everybody has turned against you, what it means to be faithful when nobody else is looking and nobody else is seeing, what does it really mean to be faithful? Because the highest office in the New Testament church was the office of an apostle. The person who would hold that office was not someone who had to have great talent, great ability, great education, a great ministry. He, you, you see, we judge differently. We judge by how big somebody's ministry is, how successful somebody's business is. We judge on what we perceive as results and, and what they have accomplished or what they have not accomplished. We are results-driven in the comparative manner in which we look at our lives. What do you mean by that? Well, let me explain. I mean, uh, we, we judge ourselves by what the Joneses and the Smiths and the Thomases and everybody else has, what the neighbor has. But you understand, God just wants to know one thing about you tonight. Are you faithful? Will you be faithful? Will you stay the course when everybody else is leaving, when everybody else is running, when everybody else is giving up, when everybody else is quitting? What are you going to do? I just want you to be faithful, amen. And I don't know about you, but that is good news for me tonight, amen. Because there are great men of God. I mean, there are people that I rub shoulders with in ministry that make me feel like a failure sometimes. Hello? I mean, my best friend, my college roommate at Lee, I've watched him over the last 20 years take a church from 20, from 50 to 100, to over 600 people. And his people love him. He's been there for 20 years. They think that the sun rises at his feet. Hello? I mean, they just love him. And I think to myself, and I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with what I think. I think to myself, he couldn't preach himself out of a wet paper sack. <laughs> when it comes to preaching, I've got him beat hands down. I can just tell you that right now. Hello? Now, he reads more books than I read, and, and he, he studies more than I study, but he has to even to get close. Can somebody help me preach? Amen? Oh, yeah. And I'm not just saying that. He'll tell you that to this day. I, he said, I'm not a preacher. He'll, he'll tell you that. But the bottom line is he has done a great work for God. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I look at him and say, what am I doing? Running across this country, one, preach, one week preaching in a church of 700, another week preaching in a church of 25, and another week preaching in a church of four. I mean, come on, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? I think, what am I doing? And I feel like a failure sometimes. I mean, I, I, I mean I've got a friend that's high up in our denomination. I, I mean, he's one of my best friends. And, and I can tell you, I, 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 know, I, knew, I, know, I knew him all the way back when we began. Hello. 
And I, I'll never forget the day he came out of the state overseer's office. And, and, that, state, and that, that state overseer happened to be my father-in-law at that time. Hello. And he looked at me and he bewildered, a little bit of fear, a little bit of, you know, shaking. He says, how do you ever talk to him? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I just, just shared my heart and I just opened myself up and just told him all the things I was feeling and all the things I was thinking. And he just sat behind that desk like a big old swollen up toe frog. And all he did was grunt at me. I said, well, that's how he talks to me too, amen. And I'm his son-in-law. The bottom line is that same man, I've watched him over the years rise to some of the highest positions of our denomination. And there's times I can look at him and say, you know what? I knew the day when he walked out of an overseer's office that he felt intimidated. And now he's the intimidator. Can somebody help me preach? Amen. The bottom line is, I'm so, just what I'm trying to say, there are great men of God doing great and mighty things in the kingdom, but then I look at Matthias and I realize that there's one way that I'm equal with all of them. There's one way I can stand with all of them, and that is if I just be faithful to what God has called me to do. Amen. Oh, I wish somebody shout hallelujah. See, here's the thing I've learned. You've got to find out what God has called you to do and do it no matter what it is. Amen. I mean, God has not called me to be a pastor. God has called me to be an evangelist. Amen. It took me a long time to realize that, and that's why I've been doing this for the last 13 years of my ministry and my life because I realized that this is my gift, this is my calling, this is my purpose, and I found out what God has called me to do, and I'm going to do it until the end of the day. I'm going to be faithful doing it. Amen. And the reason that it's important, God never overlooks your faithfulness. He never looks beyond your faithfulness. See, here's what I know about the enemy. The enemy tries to beat you up over things that have happened in your past. He tries to beat you down. He tries to swat you down. He tries to make you feel inferior. He wants to make you feel like you're less than what you really are in the eyes of God. He's made some of you feel like you're a failure in life, like you have never accomplished anything or could never accomplish anything, a failure in the kingdom. But you just have to learn to be faithfulness because faithfulness means you remain a man. You remain. You stay the course. Even when you get no recognition, no one notices what you're doing, you just remain. You just keep doing what God has called you to do and what God has anointed you to do. You just remain, even in the good times and the bad times, when things are going your way and when things are not going your way. You just remain. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. Feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. Even when you can't feel anything. You just remain. Even when it feels like God leaves the building, you just remain. Because you see, it's not about what I feel. It's not about what I see. But it's what I know, thus saith the word of God. Amen. When I've got the word, I don't have to feel it. I don't have to know. Listen, I don't have to feel it and I don't have to see it. But as long as I know that I know that I know that I know and remain faithful to his word, that's all he requires. Amen. Remain faithful. Matter of fact, according to the scripture, there's only two reasons you go to the wilderness. One, one is God will lead you there to test you, and another, the enemy will drive you there to kill you. It's one or the other. What did they do to Jesus? Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. In the, in the wilderness, he is. 
And the enemy shows up at the end of those 40 days and 40 nights when he's at his weakest moment, knowing that he's hungry, and said, why don't you just command these stones to be made bread? You're the son of God. Command these stones to be made bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. He takes him to a high place on a pinnacle, the pinnacle of the temple. He says, why don't you cast yourself down? Because it is written that he shall give his angels charge concerning thee that your feet will not even be dashed against the stone. He misused the scripture, amen, for his own deceitful purpose. Because he was trying to shortcut Calvary. And Jesus would say to him, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. He would take him to another high place and show him all the kingdoms of the world and say, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Really what he was saying to him, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die the death. You don't have to do what you're planning on doing. All you've got to do is bow down to me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. But he understood that was shortcut Calvary, and that was shortcut your salvation, and that was shortcut my salvation, and that was shortcut the plan that God had for you and I to be redeemed once again. Can somebody shout amen? <laughs> So Jesus would say to him, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Sometimes you will go into the wilderness because you have been led there by the Spirit of God to be taught, to learn something that you need to learn, or to become what God wants you to become. Sometimes you might be, might, might be driven there because the Bible says the demoniac at Gadaria, that he was driven by the devil into the wilderness. Sometimes the enemy will try to drive you into the wilderness to kill you. But the only thing you have to do when you're in the wilderness, and it doesn't matter if you're there for one or the other reason, you have to remain faithful. You have to remain true. You have to be honest. You, you have to be whatever God wants you to be, and you have to be doing whatever God wants you to do. You see, some people are like greenhouse Christians. They only bloom in protected environments. As long as everything is going my way, I can praise him. As long as everything's going good for me, I can praise him. As long as everybody loves me and I love them and, and my finances are okay and I don't have any problems in my family and I don't have any problems with my children and I'm not having any problems in my marriage, everything's going wonderful. I can love him. I can praise him. I can serve him. But let something get out of order. Let something get out of kilter. And all of a sudden, they think the world is falling apart. Amen. Hallelujah. And the only thing that matters is you remain faithful. See, as long as they're sheltered, as long as the wind and the waves and the storm and the rain doesn't touch them, they can praise God. But can I just tell you tonight, the time is going to come when you can't see him, you can't feel him, then what are you going to do? I mean, then you can't hear him, and then what's going to be your answer? But that's when you just stand up. And that's when you believe, even though you cannot see. See, faith is not faith is not by what I see, and it's not by what I feel, but it's by what I know God's Word says for my life. Amen. And all you've got left is faith. That's what will help you in the time of your wilderness experience. The Bible didn't say Matthias liked everything that happened, by the way. Remember, there's not much said, so I have to presuppose some things. You have to imagine some things. I mean, he was there from the beginning to the end. Now he's chosen as one of the 12 apostles. And I'm sure he's like a lot of us. He, don't, he didn't like everything that was happening. He probably didn't like all the changes that were taking place. You know, we're mostly change-resistant anyhow. We don't like changes. You know, let me have my little comfort zone. Let me live in my lazy boy. 
Hello, amen. I told you it wasn't going to be an easy message. I mean, we don't like the changes. I, I mean, there may have been times that someone preached that he didn't like the preacher. Hello. But you know what? He just said, you know what? I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to stay true. You know, faithfulness gives you glimpses of intimacy. See, what I've learned is you cannot find a recorded miracle that Matthias ever performed. You're never going to find one of those temple experiences where he's walking in like Peter and John, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee, take up thy bed and walk. And he goes running, leaping through the temple. We don't have a recording of Matthias ever doing anything like that. I mean, never performed a miracle. Maybe never did anything big spiritually. I mean, he never wrote a letter. <laughs> he never wrote a book of the Bible. We don't have anything like that that says he did. So what was he doing? He was just there. He remained. He stayed. But here's what he did. He caught glimpses of Jesus doing miracles. I mean, after Jesus was gone and there were those that were around him that were saying, he did not really rise from the dead. There were some that said that, that he's still in the tomb or somebody stole his body, that he didn't really cleanse the leper. He didn't really open the blinded eyes, that he didn't really do a lot of the miracles that, that had been attributed to him. And all Matthias would do is just raise his hand and say, I was there. That's all. No big deal. I was there. You say he is not alive, I say he is. You say he didn't cleanse the leper, I say he did. I saw it with my own eyes. I like this quote that someone gave, and I don't know if it's attributed to, but a man with experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Oh, did you hear that? I mean, you could tell me healing is not real, but since I've experienced the divine healing touch of God in my own life, <laughs> I'm not at the mercy of your argument, amen. I mean, matter of fact, you sound silly and you sound stupid and you sound idiotic because you're telling me I didn't experience what I know I experienced. I experienced the healing touch of God, so I know he's real. Can somebody shout amen? You can tell me that Jesus is not real. <laughs> You know, some people get so discombobulated because an atheist comes out on television and wants to take down all the Ten Commandments and all this other stuff and do all these other. You know what? That don't bother me one bit. Hello? Because I'm not in the mercy of their argument. Since I've experienced the living Savior, you can tell me all you want to. My God is dead, but I know he's alive. You can tell me he's not real, but I know he's real. You can tell me he's not on the throne, but I know he's on the throne and he's in control. Oh, somebody praise him in this house. And I say all this to say that there's, there, there's, a new, there's an anointing that we desperately need in the church today. There's an anointing that men need and women need and young people need. I call it the Matthias anointing. And what that is is an anointing to just be faithful. Because we're not going to do it in our own strength. And we're not going to do it in our own power. And we're not going to do it in our own abilities. So we're going to have to have a supernatural help of God to give us an anointing that will just help us remain faithful. Amen. You, know, you may say, well, why is this so important? Well, you know, I'm not much for statistics. I think there's some statistics that we need to look at from time to time to see where we really are as a nation and as a church. And, 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 and these are not church statistics. These are st secular statistics. 
And the reason I give them to you is because we need to know what's going on in this world. Because society in this present culture is a witness to the lack of commitment and faithfulness in the lives of so many. People are no longer committed. They are no longer faithful. People enter into marriages, and they don't, have, they don't take it seriously. If it don't work out, I'll just get a divorce and move on to somebody else. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching right there. Amen. If it don't work out, we, we don't keep our commitments. We don't keep our covenants. Hello? We have a hard time being faithful. And there's a high cost for not being faithful. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million children in America, 24 million children in America, which represents one out of every three children in America, live in a biological father-absent home. Let me spell that out again. One out of every three children live in a home where their biological father is not present. The father figure in the house is either a single mother, a stepfather, a live-in shack-up, grandparents, foster care, but one out of every three children I'm not talking about third world country. I'm talking about America. One out of every three children live in a biologically father-absent home. Marriages continue to end at a clip of 53%. That's the divorce rate. Now, here's the striking statistic. It's the same whether you're in society or whether you're in the church. That statistic is right across the board. You would think with the church, with all its biblical teaching, hello, would not have the same statistic as the world. That marriages would have a higher success rate. The problem has been the lack of faithfulness. Hello. You're getting too quiet on me. That means I might preach longer than I need to. Amen. The U.S. Center for Marriage and Family revealed in their research that the family structure is consistently found to be the deciding factor in a wide range of child behaviors that directly influence academic performance, including emotional and psychological distress, attention deficit disorders, social misbehavior, substance abuse problems, sexual activity at an early age, and teen pregnancy. That children from non-intact homes have higher rates of stress, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, particularly in adolescents and teenagers. Those statistics are just the tip of the iceberg. There are more I could come up with and more I could give you. But when I read those, when I see them, does that not say that we need a Matthias anointing? Does that not scream that we need an anointing to be faithful 
an anointing to stay true, an anointing not to give up, an anointing not to quit. And listen to me, folks. We need an anointing to be there, to be steadfast, to be firmly planted and be firmly committed like a tree planted by the water saying, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. Now, I want to speak to somebody right here because maybe you're going through a wilderness experience. Maybe you feel like you haven't felt him, haven't known him, haven't experienced him in a long time. Maybe what you've been going through, you think it's never going to end. It's never going to change. But there's a prophetic word the Lord wanted me to speak into somebody's heart tonight, and it's simply this. If you will stay faithful, I said if you will stay faithful, your season will change. There is a better day coming if you will remain faithful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can I say that again? If you'll just be faithful, your season will change. Somebody says, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm experiencing. You don't know how hard it has been. All I can tell you, be faithful. And God will see your faithfulness. And he will reward your faithfulness. And there will be a change in your season. It will either happen in the change of heart, the change of mind, change of circumstance, change of situations. But your season will change. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. You may not feel, sometimes you may feel like that God has left you all alone. Nobody cares and nobody seems to show any interest. You may feel like things have lost and things are hopeless. Feel like that you're desperate and without. But let me tell you something God will revisit you. And He will give you an anointing to remain faithful, to remain true if you'll just be committed to it. Amen. Several years ago, I had this woman come up to me. She was contemplating divorcing her husband. Her husband happened to be one of my brothers. She was weeping, and she was crying, and she was weeping, and she was crying. She said, Rick, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I had just preached that morning. And what had happened, the Holy Spirit had convicted her heart. And she comes up to me and said, I just need to know what to do. Tell me what to do. I said, I'll tell you what God told me to tell you. Stand still. Don't make any decisions. Remain faithful. And you will come through this season. She did not remain faithful. They ended in divorce. Now they have a child that went the way of her mother that is an avowed atheist. And I pray for her every day, God, get a hold of her heart. But if she had remained faithful, maybe that would not have happened me folks there's a high price to be paid for the lack of faithfulness and we are paying it in America we are paying it in the church and God is calling us to be faithful God is calling us to remain God is calling us to be steadfast and to be there and just hold the fort and be what he has called us to be and do what he's called us to do amen I just pray right now receive a Matthias anointing that you can be determined to remain no matter what amen to be faithful 
Matter of fact, say this out loud. I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will not quit. I will not give up. I will not keep, quit believing the promise. I will not quit. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah in this place. Amen. I will not quit pursuing the promise. I will not quit living the life. I will not quit working in the kingdom. See, here's what I know about our master. Our master sees your faithfulness and you, it shall be rewarded. And there's a satisfying reality that one day you're going to hear his voice if you remain faithful. Say, well done. Well done. Listen, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You got to understand, he's not going to say, well done, you most wonderful pastor, you most wonderful preacher, you most wonderful teacher, you most wonderful musician, you most wonderful successful businessman. Well done, well done. No, 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 no. Those things are not going to matter. All he wants to know, are you going? to be faithful to the end. Hallelujah. Faithful. 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 Hallelujah. Because here's what I've learned. Faithfulness will bring you out of the wilderness. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You've been going through a wilderness and you think, God, when, God, how, Lord, where, 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 why, why, why? I mean, all the questions we ask God. Here's what God is saying to you tonight. You be faithful, I'll bring you out. You stay true, I'll bring you out. You just choose not to give up, and I'll bring you to the promise that I have for you. Amen? Remain faithful. That's all he wants you to do is remain faithful. Amen? Just remain faithful. See, I am the product of what faithfulness means. I'm the... I'm the, I'm the I'm the son of a broken home. My father was an alcoholic. My father deserted our family, not once but twice. The first time was I was nine years old. Two years later, he and mom got back together. And when I was 13 years old, he took off again, and I didn't see him for seven years. He was never involved in my life, never paid child support, never acknowledged my birthday. Never acknowledged my graduations. Never acknowledged anything that ever happened in my life. The one time he did send Christmas gifts, it was an insult. He sent a package of cologne called Russian Aquavelva. It stunk like cat urine. Found out it only cost 50 cents. You get what you pay for. Somebody says, well, you should have been. But what about the thought? The thought was poor, and the thought was late. And the reason, let me just explain something. Somebody says, well, why did he leave? Well, let me explain. Because my mother was a godly woman. And she had made up her mind that she was going to raise her boys in the church to serve God and that she was not going to allow alcohol in the house 
And she laid down the law. She said, James, if you're going to drink, you're not doing it here. You're going to live that kind of life, you're not going to live it here in front of my boys. So you make a choice. It's the family or your bottle. So we came home after church on a Wednesday night, and he was gone. It just so happened to be the first night, the night that I had preached my first sermon as a 13-year-old boy. You're talking about a load to have to carry? And a battle I had to battle? But my mother made a choice. The result of her choice is three boys that serve God, two that are ordained bishops within the church of God. You hear what I'm saying? It was her faithfulness. And let me just tell you a little bit about her faithfulness. Her faithfulness was such, she didn't want anybody else. She wasn't desperate for a man. Oh, help me somebody. She wasn't going to bring somebody else in and try to force them to love her children. Hello? We got it all screwed up. We have a me, me, me society. Somebody gets in a bad shape. Well, I got to find somebody. I got to find somebody. Well, yes, guess what? The, des- the desperation that you have, the enemy takes advantage of. And he always sends the wrong person. And you think he's a knight in shining armor until he gets in the door. And then he becomes a raving maniac that won't love your children, despises your children, hates your children, acts ill toward your children. It's very rare, and it has to be a God thing. Come on, somebody help me preach. To send the right man to do the right thing for the right time. Can somebody shout amen? My mother, talk about faithfulness. You're living on welfare, food stamps. She's working as a nursing assistant in a hospital, living in a two-bedroom trailer. Lost our car. They're about to come take the trailer. Hello. If it wasn't for her nine brothers and sisters, we would have lost it. She's faithful. Find her kit crying one night at the kitchen table. Say, Mom, why are you crying? I don't even have two nickels to rub together so I can get a soda pop or some crackers or something. I, can't, I don't even have the money to pay the bills. I said, well, Mama, I'm pretty good at math. Uh, let me look at your budget. So she handed me this white sheet and that she had written out her budget. And, and on the very top line, I saw what was on the top line. And I said, oh, there it is. Mom, if you just eliminate tithe and offerings, you'll have plenty of money for soda popping crackers. After I picked myself up off the floor, Oh, yeah. Whap! That's God's money. You never touch God's money. You always give God's money whether you have any or not. For her, that was like cursing. Surprised she didn't wash my mouth out with soap, amen? What I'm trying to say, faithfulness will bring you through the wilderness. She's in glory now. 
But I can tell you before she died, she looked at her boys and she said, I loved y'all from the beginning. You are my heart. And I love what God has done in your lives. And I looked at, we looked at her and said, Mom, it's because you were faithful. You never gave up on us. You never left us. But you stayed until the end. And because of your faithfulness, you're going to be rewarded. And we're going to be rewarded. Your faithfulness will bring you through the wilderness. Hallelujah. It'll bring you out of a dry place spiritually. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's times I don't feel him. There's times I don't know him. There's sometimes I just don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. And it seems like he's left the building. I'm sure none of y'all feel that. But I feel that sometimes. Brother, you're an evangelist. You preach every week. Yeah. I'm just so happy he shows up. You know, there's times, folks, I'll be honest with you, you go through dry seasons, you go through barren places, you go through seasons of no harvest, you go through seasons of, no, of nothing happening. What do you do? You don't just quit. You just don't change jobs. You just don't go somewhere else. You just go ahead and remain faithful to what God has called you to do, and he will see you through and bring you to a place of harvest. Amen. It'll carry you through a discouraging season in your life. It'll bring you into the showers of blessing and refreshing once again. If you what? Remain faithful. I can tell you another time in my life. This first time you've heard me preach, and I just lay it all out there, don't I? Here we are at a moment of transparency. I can tell you, I've been through it myself. That state over Sears dollar, after about six and a half years of marriage and two children, she decided, I don't want to be in the ministry anymore. And she looked at me. She says, are you going to be in the ministry? And I looked at her and I said, I'm called. I didn't know she'd already found someone else. I didn't know that she'd found grass thought, that she thought was greener on the other side, and now she's, on, she's already gone through three and headed for number four. For me, I thought my world had just ended. To stand here in this place tonight is quite miraculous for me. And I do not take it for granted. Now, I can't tell you that it, that it was an easy season. It was the most difficult season of my life. But I can tell you what my pastors that God put me in their life and put me. Some of you may, have, may know him. He, he used to pastor Central Parkway back in many years ago, Danny Drake. Danny and Peggy Drake. God put me in their church in Jacksonville, Florida. And his Bible teaching and preaching was the best I'd ever heard. But what was more important is when I'd meet them at 5.30 on Sunday evening to go up to the fourth floor prayer tower and ride in that elevator to the top. She'd grab one arm and he'd grab one arm and they'd say, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. You just remain faithful. You keep pure before the Lord. 
and remain faithful. And your season will change. That's what he said to me. I was there for three years. I pastored the singles, 200 singles. I had a radio program, but I thought I'd never preach again. But the time came, the Lord said, my calling is without repentance. My anointing and favor is for a lifetime. And I began to preach. If you had told me then where I'd be where I'm at tonight, I would have told you, you just don't know what you're talking about. But there were people that said, be faithful. Stay pure. And I don't know who you are tonight in this place, but I've got some news for you. Nothing more important than your faithfulness. You just stay true. You stay honest. You stay pure. We need a Matthias anointing. We don't need, now I know some people say, well, we just need to hype it up and we need to, to, to do a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that. And if we've got the right program or the right paradigm or the right this or the right that, no, I'll tell you what we need. We need a spirit of faithfulness. We need an anointing for faithfulness, amen. People that will just, husbands will, that, that will be faithful to their wives, wives that will be faithful to their, 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 their husbands, uh, you know, parents that be faithful to their children and children that will be faithful to their parents. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? But not only that, we need people that will just be faithful to God in every paradigm of life. We'll be faithful to God. Now you know me. I gave you the open book. But that's what we need is an anointing to be faithful. In a society that will tell you, well, if things aren't going good, just go somewhere else. Do something else. Find another mate. Find another person. Find someone else. Find something else. Listen, that's not the answer. The answer is faithfulness. Know what God wants you to do. Know where he wants you to be. And remain faithful no matter what is going on. I wish somebody would shout amen. If you believe this is a word from the Lord tonight, would you stand to your feet, put your hands together, and give the Lord a praise in this house right now? Would you do that? Come on, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for just showing up. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you just would just speak to somebody's heart tonight. God, I don't know all the needs. I don't know the people here, but I know you know them tonight. I believe that you have spoken an on-time word. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bind every broken thing, every shattered thing, bind them up, Lord. Lord, I speak healing to the broken heart. I speak wholeness. I just speak right now, Lord, faithfulness. 
Maybe, Lord, there's somebody here that doesn't know you. Well, don't let them leave here tonight without first coming to that saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Lord, there's people that are struggling. There's people that are going through a that are going through a dry wilderness. There's some, Lord, that have been in a barren season. There's some, Lord, that are just going through things that they can't get a grip on and understand. So speak to their life. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and no one looking around just for a moment, I just I want to go back to something I said because someone needs to hear this tonight. And you probably received it the first time I said it, but I need to say it again. If you remain faithful in the middle of your wilderness experience, your season will change. And the Lord has sent me into this house to announce that your season will change. And for somebody, God has seen your faithfulness. He's seen your tears in the dark times. And he says your season is about to change. Don't give up. Don't quit. You're on the precipice. You're on the edge of a breakthrough, of a turnaround, of a miracle in your life. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If you believe that's a word, just lift your hands and thank him for it right now. Would you do that? Just thank him for that word right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First of all, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior or you don't know where you stand with God, don't leave this place without knowing him tonight. But I just feel like there's a call for faithfulness tonight. If you're here and this word has spoken to you and you have recognized in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own life areas where you are lacking in faithfulness and you need this anointing to remain faithful, to be faithful, I want you to step out from where you're standing and come and join me. I know I've got the right side and I've got the left side and some in the center aisle, but just, you know, just come and stand with me in this altar. Come on quickly right now in the name of the Lord. Listen, I know that this is for somebody. Hello. Ha-ha. Come on, the word is spoken. Someone's in a wilderness and your, your season's about to change. If, I was, if that was me, I'd be in the altar right now, amen, raising my hand, accepting that time that's about to change. I'm speaking to a marriage couple tonight, a family tonight, that the Lord wants to speak to you and let you know your season's about to change. Some of you are struggling with some things in your home, maybe some things financially, maybe some things spiritually. And you just need to come right now in the name of the Lord. Your season is about to change. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you, you need this anointing because here's where you've been. You've been at that place of almost quitting, of almost giving up, of almost just shucking it all in and saying, what's the use of trying anymore? And if that's you tonight... You need to have that determination that I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I need that Matthias anointing tonight to just remain, just to be faithful. Just to be faithful. Oh, 
I don't think there's a more relevant message, Pastor, that I preach than this message right here tonight. Because I think it speaks to every area of our society, every area of our relationships. And I just, I just know in my heart there are people in this room, you're faithful, I know you're faithful, but some of you tonight, you just need an anointing to remain faithful. So if you've been one of those that's been on the edge, on the verge, matter of fact, there's somebody here tonight, you've been struggling, struggling with anxiety and stress and, and uh, just tormenting spirits in the night, having a hard time sleeping, Somebody's struggling with that tonight. Amen. I know who, I know God spoke that just now in my heart. And you may already be in the altar, but the Lord just told me to tell you if you'll come, He's about to change your season. He's about to do a new thing in your heart. Amen. That you don't have to live that way anymore. I'm going to begin to pray in this altar in just about, about another 30 seconds. Someone asked the altar committee, the altar workers, the elders, whoever you are, the staff that helps me pray, just come and help me begin to pray here in just a moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is speaking. God is moving. <laughs> Listen, I will not quit. I will not quit. Amen. Turn to somebody and say that to them right now. I will not quit. Turn to somebody and say, you need a Matthias anointing. I speak of Matthias anointing over every person in this house tonight. That you will remain faithful. Faithful to the end. Hallelujah. I speak of Matthias anointing over the young people tonight. That you'll be faithful to God. Faithful to his call. Faithful to his purpose. Hallelujah. In your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reach over to somebody and begin to pray with one another as we pray in this altar. Would you do that? As they begin to sing and play some music. than I ever have before I hunger for you Lord I hunger for you Lord I long to see your face let your glory fall around me Check my secret place. I want to know you more than I ever have before. I hunger for you, Lord. I really want to know you with all my heart to show. I love you like I never have before. I really want to show you, to draw close and to know you. I hunger for you, Lord. I really want to know Oh, my heart to show you I love you like I never have before. I really want to show you to draw.
draw close and to know you, Lord. I hunger for you, Lord. I hunger for you, Lord. Lord, make me a house. Make
Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. Make me a house. tell you something. God's in this house. Would you just reach over one more time to somebody's hand and just say this to them. Just say this out loud to them. I will not quit. I will not quit. And I speak of Matthias anointing over every person under the sound of my voice. That the next time you feel like quitting, the next time you feel like that you're going to give up, the next time you're going through a dry season, the next time you're going through a wilderness, that you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You're not going to give in, but you're going to remain faithful. I pray an anointing over you right now just to remain faithful. Hallelujah. Would you give the Lord a praise offering in this house? Hallelujah. Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer, sing it out, Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. 
May the fire of my altar never burn out. The fire of my altar never burn out. The fire of my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer, Lord. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. A house of prayer, Lord. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. A house of prayer. How many would say, let the fire of my altar never burn out? My faithfulness, Lord. My faithfulness, Jesus, make me a house of prayer. May the fire of my altar never burn out. The fire of my altar never burn out. The fire of my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer, Lord. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. Why don't you slip up your hands right now and declare, I'm not walking out. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not giving up. Right here, right now, I am anointed. I am anointed with the fire. I have the strength to move. I'll walk it out. I'll see it through. You have the victory. You already have the victory. I said, You already have the victory. You already have it. Amen. I'm not going to preach a second message or sing one. Just give the Lord great praise tonight and put your hands together. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Laracy. Thank you, sir, for being the word tonight. The prophets come to minister to the people. And how many of you have been blessed? You've received something from the Lord this evening. Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. We bless your name. I pray that you now, with this faithfulness, as we're standing in that faithfulness, Lord, walking and moving and breathing, as we move through this week and as we prepare our hearts for celebration of Resurrection Sunday, I pray, God, for our lost kids and for our lost family and friends. I pray for our husbands and wives, God, that your work will be accomplished in their lives, that you'll draw them, arrest their attention, Father. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray that the choir will be ready who stand in faithfulness. Lord, that the, the band and orchestra will be ready. The drama folks will be ready. And Lord, the people will come prayed up and fasted, ready. And standing in our faithfulness to see a mighty, mighty work of God as, Lord, the lost are brought to Calvary and brought to salvation. And Lord, we claim them already. Lord, we claim the lost already. We'll see a great harvest. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory for it. For the invitation comes personally from your Holy Spirit. 
So we honor you, we bless you as you work in us now to be light and to be salt this week as we prepare for the messages and for the presentations and for the altars that we'll experience this coming week. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you.